Welcome to the Cedarville Stories podcast. Bonnie Rutledge didn't know where she saw herself professionally, but staying in her small town of 800 people to run a local newspaper was the furthest idea from her mind. Listen as she shares with host Mark Weinstein about how she became the owner of her local newspaper. Thank you, Sarah, and hello, everyone. I'm Mark Weinstein, and welcome back to another episode of the Cedarville Stories podcast. It's hard to believe that the 22-23 academic year is upon us at Cedarville University, but that's the reality as new and returning students begin moving into their residence halls later this week, and Fall Bible Conference begins on August 22nd. My guest today experienced her own getting started weekend a few years ago, and she graduated in 2020 with a degree in professional writing and information design. I'm talking today with Bonnie Rutledge, who turned an internship at the Harrison News Herald in her hometown of Jewett, Ohio, into her becoming the owner and publisher of this newspaper, in addition to being an English teacher. We'll talk about the unique situation throughout today's program. So let me welcome Bonnie Rutledge to this week's Cedarville Stories podcast. It's great to have you on the program, Bonnie. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to to get to talk about the story that happened after my experience at Cedarville. It wasn't too long ago that you experienced your first getting started weekend. And as new students prepare to arrive uh, this week, uh, what are some of your thoughts and feelings that you experience as a first-year student that you believe some of these new students coming to campus later this week might be experiencing? Oh, my. It's been such a long time. I feel like that was a lifetime ago. I'm grateful that the Lord doesn't tell you all the things that you are going to experience in your lifetime. And so I remember coming to college as an undecided major, uh, just kind of open to what would come to me in those four years. And the Lord used it in ways that I could have never predicted, in ways that I could have never um, written my story. And so I guess Maybe there's a lot of students that don't know what to expect, and I feel that the Lord will use that all the more. So for our listeners, uh, Jewett, Ohio, is located in Northeast Ohio and has a population of probably less than 800 people. So, Bonnie, how did a young high school student from Jewett find her way to Cedarville University as a freshman student? How did you hear about Cedarville, and what made you— uh, say Cedarville is where I should be going to school. So I went to a small Christian high school, as I'm sure many of the Cedarville students are used to, dealing with a very small group of people. It was also very strict. Uh, My family was not super fundamental Baptist strict, but at this school, you know, we wore skirts and we only read the King James Version of the Bible, etc. So they were very much pushing for specific colleges like Pensacola and um, West Coast and all, you know, good options. But I was feeling led in a different direction. And the school was connected to the church. I did not attend the church, but we knew some of the older church members, especially because they would volunteer a lot at the school and whatnot. And so there was this older man 
in the church who would always come up to me and tell me that I was going to go to Cedarville. He just knew that I was going to go to Cedarville and it became a joke in my family because whatever this old man was telling me, I was not going to (laughs) do kind of as a joke. My mom scheduled a college visit to Cedarville because it was only a couple hours away. Uh, And as soon as we drove on campus, I kind of fell in love with it. And, uh, you know, ended up going there and had to suck up my pride and tell Mr. Brogan that he was right. <laughs> so when you drove on the campus that first time and you said you fell in love with the campus, what did you see? What did you experience that said, this is right for me? I saw people outside uh, on the lawn, um, just kind of in community, having fun. I saw, obviously, the facilities are beautiful. Um, But it just very quickly became apparent to me that Cedarville was a place that took the faith seriously. And that was one of my main priorities as well. So I often hear uh, graduates say, Bonnie, that because of their education at Cedarville, they've made lifelong friends. What are some of your personal highlights from your time as a Cedarville student? And is it true for you that you've made lifelong friends because of your time at Cedarville? It is true. Um, I'm really grateful for all of the people that I still get to keep in contact with. I'm kind of amazed at how many people it is in spite of me deleting my social media after college. I still keep in touch with so many people and it spans uh, graduation years. Um, It spans disciplines. A A few of my probably closest friends came from my major just because we had so many classes together and and got to know each other. I also worked at career services for four years. And so I was able to meet a lot of people through resume appointments and things like that, that I would have never come in contact with in school. And so um, just really grateful for all the connections I was able to make. There's so many people who so many of my friends that could be on this podcast and and could have great stories to tell as well. So I just really feel encouraged by the fact that the community of Cedarville spans so much farther than graduation. Bonnie, before we get into your unique story that really pivots around the internship that you had as a student, I'm interested in hearing your journey of faith in Jesus. Can you share with us uh, your spiritual journey, how you met Christ? Sure. So I am very grateful to my parents for always encouraging my faith and also um, for surrounding me with people who uh, were of a similar mindset uh, who also encouraged me. And so a big part of that was sending me to the school that they did. Um, There were a lot of adults, a lot of teachers who poured into me. Technically, I was saved when I was in kindergarten, but throughout the years, I can just remember milestones that um, the Lord used these different people in my life to really bring me to an awareness of him and his role in my life. High school, I really started taking my faith seriously. I had an excellent youth pastor um, at our church who just mentored me. I think the single biggest point in my faith uh, was in high school when I started to ask questions for myself. So, you know, here's a rule. Well, why are we doing that? Should I do that? And really looking in the Bible for myself to see if that was true. 
And that was something my, my youth pastor pushed me towards. And also I felt was continued uh, at Cedarville. And I'm really grateful for that. Bonnie, as we move toward the middle of the program, uh, this is a good time to transition to your internship at the Harrison News Herald newspaper. Uh, is it true that until your internship, your career direction may have gone in a different direction? Absolutely. Yeah. I had no direction still with my major. It was a very diverse major. And so it was preparing me to take a lot of different avenues. And this was probably the farthest down on the list that it, it could have been. <laughs> what, what was this? The, the internship or the newspaper or what was the farthest both. Yeah. The professional writing and information design major requires an internship like so. And obviously I live in Jewett and there's not a lot of prestigious writing opportunities in Appalachia. Uh, so my fiance was also at home during that time. And I was not about to move to a big city and be away from him over the summer. So I essentially went to the local newspaper and begged them to let me work for them for free. They loved that. They used that uh, as, as much as they possibly could. And I just ended up loving it. So what did you learn at the, at the newspaper during your internship that ultimately changed your career path into really journalism? I really kind of fell in love with local news and the community um, right in front of us. I feel that especially in high school, and I think a lot of people could relate to being on social media, it's very global. And there's a lot of good things about that. But I think often I was looking past my neighbors and the people in my backyard and the local politicians and what they're doing. And so that was the first time that I had an understanding of what was going on in the community. Um, and also uh, just the varying aspects of the job that one moment I could be writing, the next moment I could be running out the door to take a picture of a traffic accident. It was just high, high pace, very different from day to day. And I thought that was pretty fun too. So specifically, what kind of roles were you performing as the intern? You, you mentioned writing, taking photographs. What else were you doing uh, as an intern? Yeah, I kind of just got any job that anybody did not want. They had me gathering police reports, public record things okay. of that nature. I covered court, which I probably should not have been covering at that point, but I did. Why? I just had no clue what I was doing. Okay. Uh, had to Google words as the judge was saying them. And so definitely a learning on the job experience. I didn't get too much into the business side of things in the internship uh, past conversations with the owner. I think he was very much kind of grooming me, kind of informing me of sure. all aspects of the business, but I wanted to focus this internship on writing so that it would count towards my major. What was the favorite aspect of the job of the internship that you performed during that time? I really feel like, I was forced to learn how to write quickly and to get over writer's block. And so it was probably some of the best intensive training that I could have gotten, honestly, just to be forced to write multiple stories a day. 
Yeah, I think uh, that's a great uh, skill to to have. I think that's one of the skills that the student writers in our public relations department here at Cedarville uh, learn quickly because we have we have five student writers and uh, they're writing multiple stories every day, every week, and uh, it's a valuable skill. So you alluded to the owner during your internship of maybe kind of grooming you, and that kind of leads me to this question that is that, is it true that during your internship, the owner approached you on several occasions to buy the newspaper? It was, it was actually right after my internship. So okay. that was over the summer. I had gone back to Cedarville uh, in the fall. And then throughout that next year uh, was when he was kind of approaching me with those questions. And I was not interested. I was still in college. Uh, I was planning a wedding. I had a lot of other things going on in my head, and it was not on my radar. Now, the the owner approached you multiple times to buy the newspaper. You said no multiple times to him. Ultimately, you said yes. What changed your mind? Why did you want to buy the newspaper? For one, I when I graduated, came back, kind of set roots down at home, and realized the need in the community for fair and unbiased news, if that's possible. Yeah, right. <laughs> I realized the need for accountability, not that people are not doing their jobs, but just that there's some sort of oversight, somebody checking in to, to ask the necessary questions that would be very easy for um, councils and things like that to, to not answer. So it wasn't until I moved back, also started interacting with my students at the school to realize just how ignorant most people are of the general makeup of the community, how things work, who gets things done. And so that kind of led me to more of an interest in the paper, as well as just realizing that it was a viable business model and something that I could do. We'll talk more about the business in a moment, but I want to bring in another equation to the conversation that is unique is you are also teaching English at your hometown school. How difficult was it for you once you took ownership to juggle ownership and being a, an English teacher? Sure. Yeah. So before I had shown interest in the paper, there was an earth that came up at the school. A staff member had died unexpectedly over mm. Christmas break. And we all know how short staffed the world is, uh, let alone the Christian schools. And so I just felt that that was where the Lord wanted me to be. Um, I quit my job where I was making significantly more money to go teach, which I was not trained for at all. Um, but I just really felt led to it. And the Lord worked in that in a lot of ways. So then it was during uh, that next school year, the next summer or spring semester where I was considering buying the paper and then was juggling those two full-time jobs essentially for a year. I will just say that I don't advocate for people to have two full-time jobs. There were a lot of late nights, but there was a lot of uh, satisfaction that came with that. And I just really felt a piece that at that season in my life, that was what the Lord wanted. Um, and he blessed it. What grade levels did you teach? Fifth through 12th English. Oh my, that's a big, that's a big <laughs> range there. 
how did how does someone who has never been trained to be a teacher jump into that kind of situation and see positive results? Sure. Um, while I was not educated on how to educate, uh, I do. I am very confident in my command of the English language and of grammar and writing, and I enjoy communicating. And so I felt that. I could communicate the concepts to the students, even in spite of my lack of um, formal training. So the, the professional writing major also touched on curriculum and writing to your audience, speaking to your audience, knowing what they expect, uh, adapting yourself accordingly. And so while the professional writing major was not formal training and teaching, I do feel like they hit on a lot of the same topics. Um, and I'm grateful for that because I, I absolutely use my training there to cater to my students. I feel like the hardest part about teaching, and I've done a, a little bit at a couple of colleges where I've worked, uh, is the prep time and the mm -hmm. lesson plans. So did you have lesson plans already prepared? Did the, 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 the the former teacher had those ready for you or did you have to go from scratch and just pick up where he, he or she was and, and move on? Yeah, no, I had nothing. <laughs> so planning was a lot. The grading was a lot. Again, it just, it just didn't seem sustainable long-term to do both of these things. But um, my husband was awesome. He helped me grade papers. I gave him rubrics and we'd be grading at the same time after work. So definitely got it all done, but it was there. It was a struggle at, at times for sure. Okay. So you were teaching, you bought the newspaper. Uh, now we're, we're fast forward. We're in 2022. Are you going to teach this coming year or what's the plans for the classroom for you? I am not. They Thankfully, they found a very qualified teacher who's going to do great things in my position. Um, I will miss the kids, uh, so I am still going to sub when whenever they need me, but definitely taking a backseat in that role. Okay. So I, I mentioned earlier, and you alluded to it as well, of uh, you, you don't advise people really taking multiple jobs. but uh, And I said you had two full-time jobs. You really did. In reality, though, uh, Bonnie, you had more than two full-time jobs because, I mean, you were a teacher, you were a publisher, you probably are a graphic designer to some degree. You were doing multiple things in, in, at the newspaper. How were you able to balance all these roles and still maintain a good work-life balance? Or is that still a struggle? Well, yeah, I don't, I'm not saying I did a very good job at that. My husband is a recreational worker. So all of his hobbies intersect with what he does. He's an engineer. And so it was, it was not a stretch for him. He didn't think anything was out of the ordinary when I was working all the time. And so here I am working all the time, trying to pull him away from his work to sit on the couch with me. But I do feel in some unique ways, the Lord used that time in my life to groom a strong work ethic in me um, and also allow my husband to see the need for rest. <laughs> sure. And so again, it, it was kind of in a roundabout way, but 
the Lord did work all of it to his good. I feel like now, especially we have a really good work-life balance. You know, we always commit Sundays to the Lord. It's one of the 10 commandments. I don't feel like that's talked about a lot, but that's definitely something we have really tried to give over to the Lord. Um, Saturdays, if we need to go into work on Saturdays, that's fine because we know that Sunday's for the Lord and that we won't be burnt out. Um, and so I'm grateful to, to have had the responsibility that forced me into that realization. So when you say Sundays are for the Lord, what does your Sunday look like? How, how do you devote that day to, to the Lord? Sure. And that's also definitely in progress. Um, mm-hmm. I have my own morning routine that involves Bible reading and um, scripture memory and prayer. And um, I like to do yoga and things like that. And so I feel like that all is a daily practice that I give to the Lord um, and that I need. But in terms of my husband and I together, um, we always go to church and any, you know, supporting activities that church is putting on. Um, we definitely use that time to hang out with family or to have people into our home. We have dinner at our house a lot and come in. Everyone's welcome. And my husband and I are definitely working towards time spent together with the Lord. And that's a lot easier to do on Sundays. Um, I'm not saying we do that all the time through the week, but just more than anything, viewing Sunday as a time of communion, not only with the Lord, but with the people around us. Um, so that we're not overlooking those most important relationships. That's good. That's good. As we move toward the conclusion of today's program, I've learned, Bonnie, that since you've been the publisher, subscriptions have almost doubled. The size of the paper has grown from roughly eight pages to 14 pages, and your editorial team has increased. What's been your secret to this rapid growth in such a short period of time? That's, wow. There's a lot that's gone into it. I just kind of came to the realization very early on that if it's meant to be, it's going to be up to me. So if the Lord wants it to go, then I'm going to put all of my effort and resources into uh, whatever it is I'm doing. But I honestly feel like I can't take credit for all of it. The Lord has just provided again and again and again. And I don't know if prayer is a viable business model, but it has been for me. When I've needed employees, I have prayed for them and the Lord has sent them to me. Um, When we've needed ads or just certain things for the business that I had no idea how to get, the Lord just set them right in front of me in my path. And it wasn't without hard work. It wasn't without me having to go after them, but he just provided opportunities and open doors. Even the times that I felt inadequate, you know, he's, he's answered in that he is adequate and that he will fill in my gaps. Being young has been a struggle at times, um, even just for people to take me seriously, but the Lord has, also blessed with people and mentors that have helped me and and the whole business to overcome that. I don't know. I just, I'm just overwhelmed at the Lord's provision that he would even so much as care about 
a newspaper or a, a small business. And it's, it's beyond coincidence now. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, beyond a doubt in my mind that um, he's blessing, he's working, even just the ministry to the employees. I mean, we are a um, secular business, if you will, but mm-hmm. just seeing how the Lord has been able to use his grace um, through mm-hmm. us in ways that can maybe impact lives in small ways. How many employees do you have? We have four full-time employees in the office, and then we have like 10 to 12 freelancers. Bonnie, some people say, uh, and maybe rightfully so, that um, newspapers are dying. What did you see in the newspaper before you bought it that makes you believe there's still value for your local community to have this newspaper? That's a great question. And I think that the people who don't read newspapers fail to realize that there are still a lot of people (laughs) that read newspapers. Is it my generation? Probably not. No. However, there is, there are more people in this world than just my generation. And I think that my generation could benefit from that. Now, how we distribute the newspaper, how people read the newspaper can look very different. And that's something that we're working on optimizing for sure. Um, in digital forms, in apps, in whatever it's going to take. I also feel that newspapers could deal to be modernized a little bit. They're the only thing that has not changed since the 1800s in our modern world that I can think of. So I think we could make them look a little more appealing. And I won't get into that because I could talk about that for an hour. But newspapers are not dying at all. And they're it's very much important that there is some type of independent entity that holds accountability to all of these different politicians and councils that are governing schools and villages and all of these things so that number one, they're acting ethically, but so that number two, the citizens know where the needs are Um, because these councils and these local politicians can only do so much on their own. And so Newspapers are very much spreading the word to the public to let them know, hey, these are our needs, and this is where you can take action. This is where you can fill in. And that's definitely been a focus of our newspaper is not only informing, but maybe also educating as to what steps community members can take. What's your vision for the newspaper in the next five to 10 years? Sure. I just hope that we can you know, take our current team that we have and continue to train. We're all pretty young, or most of us are pretty young. And so continue to kind of train towards curating the best content that we possibly can. I would also like to see us grow digitally, whether that be through email subscribers or whether we launch an app or whatever, um, just to make our news as readily available as possible to every demographic um, of the community. And also just, I really want to hit um, encouraging local business and shop, just, just running shop local campaigns, letting people know that they can get gifts and um, things that they need from their neighbors and not from the Walmarts and the Amazons. Not that that's wrong, but there's just so many people working so hard to provide really impressive services and, and nice goods that um, if they don't have the support from their community, you know, how is anybody going to grow? And so 
the goal of the newspaper is to encourage community in any way possible. Do you feel like you're a community leader now as a publisher and owner of this newspaper? Do you feel like the residents who see you uh, respect you as a community leader? That's a good question. <laughs> um, and not something you need to shy away from. I, I know this is a podcast. I look like I'm 12. <laughs> There's no getting around that. I know I'm young. I have run into issues with age. Uh, I don't I don't think it's necessarily been that I've been female. I, I think the issues have come from age. But I think for the people who know me, for the people who work closely with me, I've, I've seen a lot of respect, um, a lot of trust. And quite honestly, you can't argue with results. And so I think they've seen the improvements. I think they've seen the benefits. I am surrounded by a great team of people uh, at the newspaper currently in terms of our employees and our freelancers. And they've been nothing but um, really, really great to work with. I've really tried to stay in the background. Um, so I don't feel like I'm very known <laughs> in the community. And I'm not, I'm not looking for that. I think that me being away from home for four years, um, me having a new team of people who are maybe not from the area, actually gives us a unique opportunity to be unbiased. And so I'm kind of grateful for the fact that I'm not related to half the community, <laughs> the fact that I'm not allied to big business or certain large entities in the community that could kind of sway the interest of the paper. So yeah, the Lord has used all of it, even the challenges to remind me that he is in charge and I am not. And he gives me the strength that I don't always have. Oh, that's fabulous. Very well said. And I think it's great that Cedarville has a PUD major who is making a difference in her hometown like you are in Jewett. Uh, I love the fact that you're a publisher of a newspaper. I love the newspaper business. That's where I started uh, many years ago, a few decades ago. And uh, I just wish you the best and uh, thrilled that you join me this week on the Cedarville Stories podcast. Thanks for joining me, Bonnie. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Cedarville Stories podcast brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by today's episode, share it with a friend. Please rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And connect with us at Cedarville on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another inspiring Cedarville story for God's glory. Mm -hmm.